0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us, and we hope you are encouraged by today's message. We're going to transition. We want to give our guest tonight as much time as he needs to minister. It's my privilege to introduce uh, this gentleman. He lives in Tallahassee. Okay, I was just over there last week, got to minister to his team and staff. They've got a great church there, but it's more than just a church. Uh, Pastor Adrian believes in, in raising up and empowering people to, to impact the marketplace. Uh, Adrian's also bivocational. He has businesses of his own, he and his wife, and he pastors. He's a very busy man. He's got a great wife. They've been married for 17 years, going to be 18 here in a little while, to his wife, Wendy. I've known Pastor Adrian over the last 20 years. We've known each other through a common ministry that we both got born again uh, through uh, uh, an athletic ministry. And uh, Adrian played uh, college basketball at Florida State. He, Yes, come on. We got some, come on. We're in friendly territory tonight. And uh, then he played some pro ball in Spain. Uh, when I'm around him, he actually makes me feel small. I find that kind of delightful, to be honest with you. And uh, man, can we give Pastor Adrian a warm celebration? Welcome, let's stand to our feet. Adrian, bring the word tonight, man. You've got freedom here. Our house is your house. You're awesome.
1: All right. Good. Glad to be with you guys um, tonight. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, Pastor Brian, and um, again, 20 years of knowing one another—it's been awesome. And again, for stole them, welcome me here uh, tonight. Again, um, coming from Tallahassee, uh, you know, I've been married to the love of my life for 17 years. Uh, my wife Wendy, she's amazing. I definitely—I'll kick my coverage. I mean, she is someone who. Uh, so many tremendous things. Um, she started Dance Studio uh, about five years ago with five uh, with five kids, and, and it's kind of grown to over four with two different studios and locations, and, and she does amazing things. So we were bored, so we had nothing else to do. So what we decided to do is let's go ahead and start. You gotta take the handheld. There we go. All right, here we go. I'm gonna feel real charismatic now. <laughs> Good? All right, there we go. And so this idea that... Um, and so my wife, Wendy, and I, again, we had nothing else better to do, so we decided to plan church, okay? And so if you know anything about that, we're just, it's just, I don't know, I guess we're psychotic. So we just decided to do this. And so we started this church in Tallahassee about six years ago. And and what I love about our church is simply this. I believe I pastor the greatest church on earth because it's the church God called me to. I believe every pastor should feel that way about the church they pastor. Um, I believe that Pastor Stovall feels that about this church. I feel that about our church. I pastor the greatest church on earth because it's the church that God has called me to. And here's the reality. Our church is filled. It's split right down the middle. As an African-American man um, in the South, I pastor a church that's 45% white, 45% black, 10% other ethnicities. I mean... (laughs) In our church, like, we got people who want to make America great again. We got people who want to feel the burn. People who love Nike. People who love Nike, hate Nike, Neostan. Like, it's just what it is. So I spend most of my time just trying to get everybody to kill each other. That's pretty much my job. And so, but I love it. And it's a group. And and here's what I love about working. I tell people all the time when people talk, because, again, less than one, 6% of churches in all America are diverse. And when I say diverse, it's 80-20. But less than 1% are pastored by African-American men. And so when people say, man, your church is so diverse, that's not the part that I'm proud of or that I feel it's a working of the spirit. Listen, we go to Starbucks, we sit on airplanes with people who don't look like us. But what matters to me is when the reality that there's a man who's in our church, who's 70 years of age, he reads Breitbart all the time, watches Fox News, but he has a young man in this church who believes black lives matter. And they do life together. Sitting in church with people who don't look like you, we should not get a round of applause in the church world. The fact that that's rare is absurd with the fact that it said that Jesus came to break every dividing wall, every hostility that there were. And I actually believe that... In the time that we're living in right now, what God is up to in the earth is he is building these places to where when people walk in, they can't explain it. They may not agree with your theology. They may not say, I don't know if I believe in this God. But when they walk in to places of God, they walk in and say, this just feels right. Like it just seems right where people have room to be who they are. Because if you want to build diversity, you can't just want people's skin color and not bring their culture with them. And what we tend to do in church spaces is that we want your skin color. We just don't want your culture. And see, what we do is we build this conformity. See, listen, just so you know, this is how the whole thing is going to be, okay? Like what I mean by that is this. Like, I just start from the gap. My, gap, my foot's on the gas so and we're just going, okay? Um, but I believe It matters. Because when you really think about it, what happened with the Israelites? They went to the promised land. There were spies that went. And when they came, they had fruits. And they brought back fruit and saying, hey, we got this over here. See, I actually believe what we're called to do is bring pieces of heaven to earth that it points to people like, listen, when Jesus returns, like this is just a taste of what it's going to be. That is just a taste of what it's going to be. And so that's what we do, and it's a lot of fun doing it. But before we get started tonight, here's what I want you to know. Like, listen, we don't have time to waste, okay? So what I want you to do and what I want you to understand tonight is this, is not to think about anybody else. I want you right now to focus on simply you and Jesus, not your spouse, not your roommate not that person you like man don't nudge them say no words for you no 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 the word tonight is for you not the person next to you like, let them deal with themselves tonight okay there's one holy spirit it's not you let the holy spirit deal with them tonight okay and so here's the reason why because we don't have time to waste and so what i believe is listen i don't have time to waste you don't have time to waste to play religious games so we're going to get serious about jesus tonight And we're going to see what Jesus wants to do. Can we do that? Is that cool? All right, let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. God, I thank you for these incredible people. I thank you for this incredible church. I thank you for the move of God that's happening here, God. God, you are moving in a significant way here. God, help us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. And the reason why we can invite you, because you, Jesus, died. You suffered for us. He resurrected to be a glorious king, and we give you all the praise and glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. The title of my sermon tonight is simply this. I want to talk on this theme of unlocking authenticity. If you want a title, it's this simple, mask off, okay? So anybody in here who lists the future, there you go, all right? And so some of you guys went right over your head. Um, and so, <laughs> But this idea of mask off. About eight years ago, I sat in the office of a therapist. I was deeply in love with Jesus. I really wanted to honor Jesus. But I had real pain. At that point in time, I had lost my mother um, earlier that year unexpectedly. Somebody who was a close friend of mine. Um, first time I ever had betrayal in a relationship. A dream that I had kind of shattered and I found myself sitting in a therapist's office. And as I'm sitting in his office, he begins to talk to me and asks me one question. He says, Adrian, have you ever asked yourself, why did God ask Adam after he sinned where he was at? Now you have to understand that I love the Bible I've preached the Bible now. I mean, through pretty much two years after getting saved, I started preaching the Bible. And in doing that, I love the book of Genesis. Outside the book of Nehemiah, I love the book of Genesis. And so him asking me that, I'm saying, okay, I've got the answer, right? I've preached through Genesis, especially Genesis 3 so much, I got it. And all of a sudden, I found myself not having an answer, I don't know if you ever felt some type of way when you're like, yo, this is what I do for a living. He's asking me a Bible question. I can't answer a Bible. I'm like, man, I need to quit. My job's over. What's wrong with me? I'm mad at him. I'm kind of cussing him in my head. I'm like, man, whatever. This is a trick question. You're an idiot. I'm leaving. Right. And so I'm thinking this in my head, and then I finally says, I don't know because I know God's all knowing. I know God didn't. I mean, he wasn't like that. Adam had the, like the the dopest hiding spot in the history of mankind, and Adam was hiding. He's like, yo, fam, I can't find you. Where are you at? He's like, God knew where he was at I know that but I don't know why did he ask and he looked at me and said it had nothing to do with God trying to find Adam he wanted Adam to know did Adam realize where he was at now because of what he has done where he now stood in relationship now with God because of sin that had entered the world and he looked at me, he says, Adrian, you say the right things, you do the right things, but you have no idea where you're at. You give God Pierre, you give God PR prayers. You give God surface level stuff that you think he wants to hear. And in your heart, you want to do what's right. But you are so distant from your head and your heart. You have no idea where you are at. And let me tell you this, as I was preparing to talk to you guys, what I feel from the spirit of God is this. For many of us in this room, you love Jesus, but many times you walk around as imposters and and, and actors and those who should win an Oscar. Because you have no idea where you're really at that you say the right things and you show up to church and and man, I lift my hands in worship. But when you begin to pray and you begin to go, you give God all the right answers, but deep inside, you are really frustrated. You're really mad at God, you're disappointed. God, why did this happen? Why did I have to lose this loved one? Why did my spouse walk out? God, why am I financially here? God, why am I emotionally here? And that's how you really feel, but you never tell God that. And let me just clue you in. He already knows. And so here's what we do. We walk around, spirit empowered, doing all this stuff. But yet and still, we have a mask that we wear. And we mask the gifts of the spirit, all the charismatic stuff. And it looks good, but we are just imposters. And we say we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we're really not living authentic lives. I want you to know this, that what I believe that God is doing in the earth right now is he's truly wanting to unlock authenticity inside of those who are his followers. But see, whenever this happens, there always is a counterfeit that comes in culture. See, we see in the 60s when God began to want to unlock the reality of the church for so long, had these guardrails and these things of talking on the idea of sex. And beginning to, and I believe God wanted to be able to, to let the world know and let this church know that, listen, yes, it's for procreation, but also that God made this and that you should talk about it. It's a good thing to talk about. But just when that happened, the sexual revolution took place. And all of a sudden, when these moments happen, the church goes to one or two places. It goes to full head down and goes straight towards where the world's going, or they go to the other side and they build castles and walls up. And see, that's what happens. And right now, here's what we're happening: Society is saying that being authentic is reaching deep within. And whatever you pull out, that's who you are. Let me tell you this. It does not matter how much I pray, how spirit-filled I am, how much a move of God happens. There is nothing that is going to happen for me to ever be a horse jockey. I can feel like it. I could say it. I could buy the outfit, which nobody wants to see that. I could do all of it. But let me tell you this no matter how many times I say it, pray it, believe it, that is not who I was called to be. See, this is all part of what they have been calling, I believe, as Trevin and Wax did an incredible thing in the Gospel Coalition, talking about this idea of expressive individualism, the time that we're living in. I think we have a quote that's from Charles Taylor. Can we pull that up real quick? Do we have it? Do we have it? There we go. I mean, the understanding of life, which emerges within the romantic expressivism of the late 18th century, that each of us has his, his or her own way of realizing our humanity. That it's important to find and live out one's own as against surrendering to conformity with the model imposed on us from outside by society or the previous generation or religious or political authority. The spirit of the age is this. No one can tell me who I am. No one can tell me or define what I do. I'm going to do me. It's about me. It has nothing to do with anybody else. And what we said, the greatest virtue of our time, the greatest virtue is to find out who I am. The highest extent of who I am, that's the virtue in today's culture, is that that's what it all matters. Who am I? I've got to find my purpose, my destiny. Everything is about me. And normally what that's about is everything to protect ourselves from every bit of fear and pain that we don't want to face. Most of us live lives just trying to be comfortable. And here's what I want to ask you. How's that working out for you? Because when it's all said and done, it does not matter how much money you make, what type of job you have, Hardship and suffering are going to come. You are not insulated from it because we live in a fallen, broken world. And see, what we do is right now, some people, they preach, and what they say is that, man, Jesus just cares about your potential, and he wants you to hey, they put the Holy Ghost on your potential and pull out and be whatever you want, like Jesus is some magic fairy that you sprinkle Holy Ghost dust on you, and all of a sudden, you'll be whatever you want to be and it's demonic, and it's not of God. But here's the other side. What we do when we see that now is now what we do on one side of the aisle is to reject any part of us having an individual purpose and destiny. And anytime you say that, nope, that's, that's the world. That's, that's, not, that's, that's the spirit of the age. But what if I were to tell you that Jesus does, and he's given you a purpose, and a calling. But what if I were to tell you your purpose has everything to do with you and nothing to do with you? Because every God calling has everything to do with you because it's yours. Has nothing to do with you because every God calling is about the flourishment of humanity. And what God is wanting to do right now is this. He's wanting to unlock authenticity. Spirit-empowered people should be the most authentic people on the planet. But what I find, not only in our time, but through human history, sometimes that's not the case. And what I believe what God wants to do tonight is if we're willing to be honest, if you are willing to take the mask off, that God wants to begin to do stuff. Because I believe real power flows when you live at a place of true authenticity. That word authenticity is simply this. It's to be genuine. It's not copy, not fake. Some of us, you need to understand this. You have calling lust. You lust after someone else's calling. You want to whore yourself out to someone else's calling instead of being faithful to the one God's given you. And like, and why does this matter? It's because when we begin to live this way and we begin to act this way, it messes us up. And we get discontented with God. But see, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to empower us and the Holy Spirit wants to do something in us. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 14. John 14, here we go. Starting right here in verse 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, even greater works. Because I'm going to be with the Father, you can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. So the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. He will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit, and I want you guys to really hear this, leads who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. As Jesus is explaining the Holy Spirit, this advocate that would come, Jesus says that it's, it's better for me to go because this spirit that lives within me, this spirit that was there at the beginning, I need to send him so he can live within you. And he says this is real significant. He said this spirit will lead you into all truth. And as I was looking at that, what I begin to realize is this. Many times... We want the Spirit of God to lead to all truth and to others, and not the Holy Spirit to lead to the truth of who we are. That we want the Spirit to convict somebody else for their sin, but we don't want it to convict us for where we're at. That we want the Spirit of God to deliver somebody from their past wounds and issues, but we don't want the Spirit of God to heal us of our past wounds and our own issues. We want the Spirit of God to heal and to fix our wives, but we don't want God to work inside of us as men to sacrifice and lay down our lives. Like, we don't want that. We don't want it to lead into truth into us. Because here's what happens. When the Spirit begins to lead into us, it begins to unlock authenticity. But let me tell you this. When the Spirit begins to lead you into all truth it's really, really painful. Like, really painful. So see, I think there's three places where the Spirit wants to lead us right now in our generation right now in truth. The first, he wants to lead us in the truth of who Jesus is. The of Jesus. And I know this seems kind of just normal. Like, of course, of course, he wants to do that because he was to testify about Jesus. That was—he was, was to remind us. He was to be this advocate. Of course, he's going to do that. But so many times we forget that the Spirit of God was to remind us and point us to what Jesus taught. And the first thing that we must remember and never forget is that He wants to lead us to always understand the gospel. To understand this—that humanity is broken. That humanity is broken from the beginning. When Adam and Eve sinned, it broke God's beautiful creation. As the great teacher R.C. Sproul said, Adam and Eve, they committed cosmic treason. That it cracked and fractured the shalom of God, the perfect peace of God. It would be like this beautiful painting and it's taking a knife and ripping it down the middle. And we broke God's creation. So all the ills that's come into this world, it's because of the first sin. And why does that matter? And because many of us, we think the right political leader is going to fix the problem. Let me tell you this. Whether if it's Barack Obama or President Trump, the world is still what the world is. <laughs> Some of us. You need the spirit of God to lead you back into all truth is because you care way more about who sits on the throne of this nation than you actually believe who sits on the throne of heaven. Because here's what we do, because if you don't believe it, let me tell you this, what you talk about, what you post on social media, what makes you so angry? Because if, if, if President Trump's in office, he's the antichrist. If President Obama's in office, he's the antichrist. And you break relationships and you break friendships and you do all those things, why is that? Because that's what you worship. If you break a relationship based off of political things, that is your God, that's what you worship. And here's why this matters. It's because a world that's hurt and dying, a world right now that needs answers, is Jesus' followers who seem to have jumped into the crazy instead of leading with grace and truth, of standing on righteousness, but caring for that. That it's not mutually exclusive to stand for, to want to have our borders protected, but to care for the immigrants. They're not mutually exclusive. To believe in those who protect and serve us, but to care for people of color where injustice is at. And let me tell you this. Jesus followers who are spirit empowered need to remind, because why can we do that? It's because we know what's wrong with the world. It's not just because we need new education, which is important. We need clean water. We need better health care. All those things are important. They have their place. But never mistake that what's wrong with the world is us. You want to start dealing with the issues in the world? You know what you need to do right now? Go home, look in the mirror, and that's where we start. Because that's the issue. And so it begins to lead us there. And why does that matter? It's because when it begins to lead us into all truth, we begin to realize how broken we actually are. And then what we begin to realize is because most of us would say in, in this mental ascent, we would say, yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe that we're all sinful. Yes, I believe he's the son of God. We would say all those things, but we live as absolute practical atheists because we say we believe that. But yet and still, we go about our lives thinking we're actually good. We actually think even the good charismatic stuff that I had, man, I saw somebody they got healed and I did this, that God, man, God's showing favor. Never mistake that God, let me tell you this, God can move in his his gifts, but never mistake your gifts that you're actually close to him. I can stand on any platform on God's green earth because God's gifted me to do it. But let me tell you one thing, my heart can be so distant from God because it happened. When I said I was sitting in the therapist's office, people were getting saved left and right. But when they were coming to the front, Literally, I was having conversations in my head. I don't know if I believe this. It leads us in truth of the gospel that we are sinful, that all of us are bad, and Jesus is the only hero. If you think anything else, all Jesus will ever be to you is a self-help guru on Instagram who gives you some tips. That's it. He will never be the superhero that he is. You cannot save yourself. But let me also tell you this. Your one sin that you made last night can't unravel what he did on the cross either. So here's the next thing that we have to get to. So where else does it lead us? That the spirit of truth leads us? It leads us into the truth of ourselves. And this is hard. See, this is hard because most of us deal. We allow the Holy Spirit to just deal with surface level stuff. We see, a, we see someone post something on social media, right? Because everybody wins debates on Facebook, because that's where you go, right? <laughs> but I'm all for it. And I love, I love social media, but, but like, but let's see. But like, let's say you saw something your friend post, and you felt some type of way, right? Let's make it better. You went on Instagram. So, okay, so so I know we got the we got our I mean, I say younger people in here, are high school kids, but listen, older people, y'all on Instagram too, okay? Posting pics, you should not. So here's the deal though. <laughs> Um, but like, okay, let's just do this. Let's play this out. And so leading the truth into yourself, you post a pic on Instagram, right? And I mean, you talk about, listen, I'm talking about the angle was right. Lighting is right, right? I mean, like you literally took it down and took the picture 14 times, right? The lighting is right. It's perfect. I mean, you know, listen, I get it. You put the bikini pic up with the Bible verse underneath it because it's really about God. Um, or, you know, it's so, whatever. So you, you, you do that. And so you're ready to go. And all of a sudden you... <laughs> You don't get the likes that you have. You thought you are about to get, you know, 20 likes was the most you ever got. This is about to be epic, and you get five. <laughs> this thing, I'm, menace- I'm hitting to y'all. Some of y'all just need, I can just do an altar call right now because it's like, you're like, yo, that's me today. <laughs> so here's the deal. But what we'll do is this. But we'll see somebody else. As we see somebody else's pick, and they got more likes than we did. And so what we'll do is we'll feel some type of way. But then we're, but you are get Jesus followers. So what you'll do is you'll say, you know what, man, here's what's going on in my heart, my soul. Okay, well, you know what? I know I shouldn't be envious, so what we'll say, I shouldn't envy. And so the Spirit of God will say that and convict us, and that's good. But here's what we don't do. We don't allow the Holy Spirit to go four levels deeper. Because you got to begin to ask yourself, why am I so envious? Because, see, when you begin to allow the Spirit of God to unlock this, see, when you begin to go deeper, because, see, your greatest, many times, your greatest purpose is found buried underneath your greatest places of pain. Say it again. Many times your greatest purpose is found underneath your greatest places of pain. Some of my greatest places of pain were simply this. I'm the kid who grew up with a mother who's very emotional depression passed down through our family line. I had a father who grew up doing civil rights. So I had a mom with wild emotions and a father who didn't have any. And I'm the emotional kid. To my mother, and again, I've said this all to them. My mother passed away. I've said this to my father, so nothing I'm saying is something that they don't know. And they did the absolute best they could. But to my mother, I wasn't enough. To my father, my emotions were too much. So what did that speak to me? My emotions are too much, which means I'm too much, which means I'm not good enough. And so I hated my emotions. And over years of working through it, here's what happens. As someone who still struggles with depression, They've laid more hands on me, anointing me with so much oil. You can like deep fry like me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, that's how much oil they've laid on me, right? And I'll never forget God speaking to me. This is my thorn, and this can be your thorn in your flesh, your depression, but my grace is sufficient. So my depression, so listen, and I want you to hear this. So my depression is my beautiful affliction because it leads me to the presence of God every day because I can't survive unless I get there. But now here's the deal, though. But here's why this matters. But when I travel, and we're going to see this happen in a little bit, but I travel all across, and I see people emotionally get unlocked and get healed. The thing I used to hate about myself, God is using to unlock other people. In your weakness, Christ is made strong. So what does this mean? You have to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to go into all places of truth of your life right now that it's got to begin to go into the place of truth in your marriage. If I can give you any bit of advice of being married for 17 years, it's simply been this. If Wendy and I have had any bit of success in marriage, here's the number one thing that we fight really hard to do, and we're going to be doing it until the day we die, is consistently unmasking ourselves from one another. Because many of you in your marriage right now, it's Photoshopped. You have put the right filter on, you've been married for a long time. And you're wondering why right now you've hit that point where you can't get breakthrough, and because you're willing not to be honest, because why the truth sets you free. Some of you aren't free. Some of your healing, some of your addictions, it's simply your freedom is going to come when you actually are honest. The Spirit of God wants to lead you in all truth to say, listen, yeah, that's an addiction. And that's why James says, confess your sins to one another. The prayer of a righteous man or woman is powerful and effective. Until you're willing to be authentic and honest, we stay bound up and we stay frustrated at God, saying, God, you're not moving. And it's not that God doesn't want to move. It's that God wants you to know, where are you? Are you willing to be honest with me so I actually could take the spirit of God to the place where it needs to go, not on the surface? But are you okay? And here's the other thing in our age we live in. Are you okay with what God may say to you? See, that's the part we don't like. Because we're told nowadays this, that Jesus comes to just give you your best life now. Paul's best life now is this. This man will go to see how much he has to suffer for my name's sake. John the Baptist's best life now, he was beheaded. If you think that God's best life now is to make you rich and wealthy, you have believed a demonic lie. God does not promise you wealth. What he promises is a prosperous soul. I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. That's to your friendships, your relationships, and your soul. There's security that's there. It has nothing to do with monetary things. Those are great and well and good. If he does that, praise God. But at the end of the day, your best life now may be no one ever knowing who you are. And will you really be okay with Jesus then? Because let me tell you this. In my own life, that was me. Like, do you understand? Like, standing on a platform in a church like this, like, as a young man, that's all I wanted. And what did God do for so long? Had me in absolute obscurity. And Tallahassee, where like we live next door to hell, is so hot. I'm like in South Georgia. That's pretty much where I live. I live in South Georgia. It's like, and that's where God had me. But little did I know what God was doing in those moments. Because what he had to do is this. The spirit of God had to absolutely beat the hell out of me so heaven can reign inside of me. So here's the last and final thing is this. That the spirit of God wants to lead you in all truth of your future. I want you to know is this. God has a great future for you. The Holy Spirit has something great for you. The Holy Spirit has something great for your marriage. The Holy Spirit has something great for your kids. The Holy Spirit has something great for your career. God wants to do great things. And it may seem, well, didn't you say it may struggle? Yes, but listen, when he begins to reorient you, when he begins to now change your perspective, you can begin to go to your job. And let me tell you this, no matter right now what you think about your boss or you think about your company, when you begin to allow the spirit of God to move in your life, it doesn't matter where God places you, you can begin to find joy, you can begin to pray prosper, you can begin to make impact. Why? It's because the circumstance and the place don't define you. The Spirit of God, Jesus, defines you. And so some of you are so frustrated at work right now, it has nothing to do with your boss. It has everything to do with your perspective. Because I consider it a pure joy when I face trials of many kind. See, one of the things, and, and, and I'm going to have to land this plane soon, but one of the things that just gets me is I quote it all the time, too. Like, Jeremiah, right? Like, I've been studying Jeremiah. It's like we quote that scripture, right? You know, Jeremiah, man, plans he has to prosper you, right? All that. Man, I knew you before you were ever in your mother's womb. I want you to, that's the stuff we quote. I want you to, I want to read something else from Jeremiah, the guy, his future. Here we go. Let's pull up the scripture of Jeremiah. Oh Lord, you misled me. (laughs) Like that's how he's talking to God. (laughs) Some of you, like this should give you freedom. (laughs) God's not insecure with you being honest with him. (laughs) And I allowed myself to be misled. Yo, like, I love the Bible. Because we read it with these, like, sometimes with these, oh, man, these guys are deep. You're like, this is like, you're going to see, this is the writings of a manic depressive man. (laughs) You are stronger than I am, and you overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak the words, uh, when I speak the words burst out, violence and destruction. Listen, I know the plans I had for you. You know what Jeremiah's calling was? Was to tell the entire nation, violence, destruction, God's coming to judge you. That's his best life. Now, how do you think that went over? Not a lot of Instagram followers. So here goes this. When I speak the word, I shout, so these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I'm worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. Let's go to the next part. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me the man who lives in terror. They threaten. If you say anything, we will report it. Even if my old friends are watching me, waiting for a fatal slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we will get our revenge on him. But the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior. Before him, my my persecutors will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humiliated. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. And now we'll skip to the next one few verses yet i curse the day i was born (laughs) may no one celebrate the day of my birth (laughs) i curse the messenger who told my father good news you have a son yo yo he just listen he's a prophet the 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 man who just walked out delivered a child The says a son that brother just got a curse and he didn't even do nothing he was just doing his job Let him be destroyed like the cities of old that the Lord overthrew without mercy. Terrify him all day long with battle shouts because he did not kill me at birth. (laughs) Oh, that I had died in my mother's womb, that her body had been my grave. Why was I ever born? My entire life has been filled with trouble, sorrow, and shame. In all seriousness, we quote Jeremiah. I know the plans that have to prosper you. All these things. Jeremiah had a great future. But his future hope was because he wanted to please God not society. There's a great hope that God has for you, but it may not be the one that you want, but it's the one you're supposed to have. See, little what we don't know about Jeremiah was this. You know, we read Jeremiah 29. You can go later to read other passages in Jeremiah, and this is what we see. Jeremiah was being faithful to what God had called him to. And it says later in Jeremiah where he tells the people, he's writing to the people of Israel who were in captivity. And he says, listen, these false prophets telling you you're about to get out of there, you're not. You're going to die there. So plant fields, have children, pray for the prosperity of the land because the city prospered, prosper. You prosper. Many scholars believe and theologians believe that that letter is what Daniel read, which allowed Daniel to be what Daniel was called to be. Why Daniel was willing to interpret the dream of a man who probably had killed family members who had imprisoned him is because Jeremiah was faithful to his calling. Thousands of years later, we talk about this man but he died with no real fanfare. But he was faithful. See, authentic life in Jesus is being faithful to Jesus and what Jesus has for you. See, I close on this. There's a young man who's here right now and he plays basketball at UNF and and I've known him since he was 10 years old and kind of helped raise him. He's like a son to me. You see, when I felt God had forgotten me, I thought He'd forgotten me. I had opportunities to go plant churches, do other things, other places, and God told me to sit. And God told me to sit for two reasons: the season is about your wife and what God wants to do with her, and the season is about this young man. You're responsible for helping him. And I cursed God for that. God, what about me? What about my shine? What about God? I've done all this and I've sacrificed for you. I've given you everything. God, I've turned down jobs. I've turned down money. I've done this. Now, when will be my time, God, to do my thing? I want to do it for your name anyway. So, why are you holding back on me? And in that moment, God began to speak like, Adrian, do you serve me because you love me, or do you serve me because you want leverage? You want to do what's right, so now you have leverage on me. So when you ask for something, you think you should get it because you've done 15 good things. And I sat and I stayed. And little did I know this young man would come to know Jesus, and God would get a hold of his heart, and he's doing incredible things. I got to stand as his best man at his wedding a few weeks back. And I look back on this, and here's what it comes down to I'm so grateful. I was willing to listen to God. I'm so grateful I was willing to listen to the Holy Spirit because during that time, God began to just unravel me. And I can honestly tell you, am I fully there? No, but am I better than I used to be? Absolutely. The freeing thing you can have is to live a life of an authentic walk with Jesus. Why can we do this? Because Jesus was the most authentic person to ever walk the planet. You ever notice in Jesus' baptism, Father, Son, Spirit's there when he comes out of the water. See, in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we see the Father, Son, and Spirit there in the creation of the world. And when Jesus was about to begin his earthly ministry, we see Father, Son, and Spirit there for the redemption of the world. And in that, Jesus has said his Father, in the book of Mark, it says he rips open heaven and said, this is my son with him, I'm well pleased. Jesus lived out of an identity of who he was and was empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's why the Pharisees and everybody else wanted him to do other things. He never did it. His disciples who were close to him abandoned him. He stayed faithful. Oh, I mean, why? Because this is why I love Jesus so much is because it's that he lived his life. He was willing to live an authentic life which led to his death that Jesus goes. And, and sometimes we forget the fact of this, that Jesus was on the cross. They stripped him completely naked. He was put on public display. They ripped the flesh from his body. They put a crown of thorns on his head. He bled. His mother was at the foot of the cross weeping because her baby boy is suffering and dying. And he was living out his best life. And the reason why is because he put a crown of thorns. They put it on his head so that we can have a crown of righteousness. They stripped him of everything so that we can have everything. That he walked and he lived. He gave up his last breath. Why? So that he could put his spirit inside of us. And so let me tell you this. Jesus did not die just for us to get by. He did not die for us to live inauthentic lives. He died for us to live in freedom for no mass and complete truth. That's why he died. And so here's the deal right now. This is why these moments where we have to get serious with Jesus right now. Some of you have come to church, you've come to these services, but you do not know Him. And I want you to know today. Listen, He wants you to finally be real with Him. Are you willing to go all in with Him? For some of you, you are an absolute addiction, and the reason why there's not freedom. You've been crying out, you sing all the worship songs, but you don't pray to Jesus you don't tell Jesus. See, you know why David was a man after God's own heart? I truly believe this, it's because when you read Psalms, David was authentic before God. See, I want you to bow your head, I want you to close your eyes, and here's what I want you to do. See, if you're in this space and place, and you're saying, listen, I really don't know Jesus. I may have said him as my savior, but I've never made him my Lord. And tonight I'm saying I want to make him my savior, my Lord, I want to give him everything. I want my life to orbit around him. You can, listen. If that's you, I want you to stand on your feet. That tonight you're saying this is my boundary stone moment with Jesus. This is my boundary stone moment with Him. God bless you. That you're saying tonight is your night. We're not gonna we're not gonna take this as a long time. Is this one person? There's five people. It doesn't matter. What we're caring for right now is this: that tonight you're standing, saying I'm getting all I'm all in with Him. I'm gonna give you a few more seconds. Is there anybody else who wants to be included in this prayer? God bless you. God bless you and God bless you. God bless you. It's this simple. If you're responding right now, it is simply telling Jesus. And I want you, in your words, right now to Him, to say, Jesus, I surrender. Surrender my life to you. I'm yours no more games no more playing around with you I'm yours I believe you died for me I believe you're the only way I believe you resurrected I give you my life because you gave me yours Father I thank you for everyone who's responding right now and God what I pray for is this that this would mark them God, I'm gonna pray a dangerous prayer for them. That God, all the days of their lives, that God, that You would mark them. That God, even when they would want to walk away, that God, literally, Your Spirit would chase them down. Thank God that they would never be able to go and touch, and go back to where they used to be. They would never go back to is. They would never want to go back to Egypt again, God. Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. For more information about Celebration Church or to get in touch with us, please visit celebration.org.